You're listening to Give and Go Vikes with Liam and Tyler, supported by the UVic Alumni Association. and welcome to Give and Go Vikes. Today on the show, we've got Patrick Keane. Patrick rode for the Vikes from 2015 to 2018 and is now on Team Canada as an athlete in the men's lightweight program. He's one of the premier athletes in the Canadian rowing scene and will be wearing the red and white, hopefully at the Olympics in 2021. We got into a bunch of great stuff here and found out a little bit more about Pat. Yeah, so Pat uh, is taking a break from his eligibility in university to pursue uh, making the Olympics. Uh, so they're in the qualifying stages right now. He rows in the double with uh, his teammate, who is a former UBC rower. We get a little bit into rivalries. Uh, we talk a little bit about that transition that Pat made from rowing in high school to rowing with the Vikes, and then another transition to international rowing. Uh, something that we realized is Pat is a uh, super freak of an athlete. He apparently came into the Vikes program and uh, didn't uh, have any trouble adjusting. So Tyler, I think you can probably say the same about yourself when uh, you made the jump from high school to university ball, right? Yeah, uh, actually, no, not at all. I was, I kind of wish I would have redshirted a year and gave my body a chance to catch up because after I was done, I was still, you know, I was in much better shape just physically and you know, psychologically than I was as a, I was 17 when I first came to university. So I, I got a late birthday. I was a young guy, but you know, this guy's a specimen and you got to be a specimen in that sport. And uh, I, I yeah, know, you gotta be a specimen to want to keep on rowing on those ergs. What was the, what was the workout he was saying he does? Well, I guess we'll get into it, oh, uh, but a little goodness. teaser. It's a disgusting workout that these guys are doing to stay in shape. Yeah, I'm guessing off the top, we recorded it a couple of days ago, but I'm guessing off the top of my head, he just like busts his butt for like increments that eventually add up to like six or eight kilometers on the earth, which is, that makes me want to puke just thinking about it. Yeah. All right, so let's not waste any more time here. We're going to jump right into the interview with Patrick Keen. Patrick, thanks for coming on the show with us. How are you doing today? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? You're well. Yeah, excited to hear your perspective. Uh, first rower on the show for us. So uh, <laughs> perfect. You get oh. that. You automatically get that honor. Yeah, I'm a lucky guy. <laughs> so, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about your background growing up in Victoria and how you got into the rowing scene? Yeah. So I went to a small high school called St Andrews Regional High School. It's right by Elk Lake and it was like a really big thing when I first got there. My whole grade eight class just did rowing and I decided to follow suit. And then I followed it. I enjoyed it. We did well. It was a way to get close to my friends in high school. And then I joined a club rowing. And that was kind of my cross training for other sports I was doing at the time. I was doing soccer, a little bit of basketball and track and cross country. So rowing was kind of my cross training for those sports mm -hmm. and then eventually it became that those other sports were my cross training for rowing and eventually I had to have the difficult decision to drop off some of the sports as I mainframed in rowing mm -hmm. and then I went into UVic and so forth. Cool. What age was that when you kind of noticed that rowing was had the possibility to take you further than soccer did? 
I would say grade nine, actually, or grade 10, going into grade 10. Yeah, so grade nine and grade 10, start of grade 10, I was invited to this high performance team. It's like the elite eight in Victoria. It's called the development team. And it's eight high school students who are the best in the island. And Albert, the Vic headman's coach, was the coach at the time. And that's when I first got to know Albert. And we just did that. And at that point, it was a lot of training. And as a high school student, I couldn't keep all the sports and the schooling up. So decisions had to be made. Yeah, you got to get pretty selective at that point. I feel like a lot of high school students who are, who are looking to go to the next level with a sport eventually have to make that decision. But it's neat that you were able to kind of have that as a cross-training asset. Yeah, that's how I looked at it for a long time. And it was it was good. It kept me very busy. And when I was busy, I still maintained my grades, mm-hmm. I hope. Yeah. You mentioned that Albert was your head coach with the Victoria City Rowing Club. Can you talk a little bit about Albert's coaching style and how he impacted your development? Yeah, so it was really good for at an early stage that I got him. So grade 10, I was the youngest. And because I was the youngest, I was in the single. And because it was such a small group of athletes, he got to work really well and close with those athletes. So he talked about the physio side, the tactical side, the mental side, and the physical side. So he went through all these components of sport every week. He would have an email, as he does now in the EVIC training program. He would have an email going through some sort of tactical approach to try or something. And so there was that component, which was super cool. And I learned a lot. And then we would have two sessions on Saturday. And in between the sessions, you'd kind of go through something. So one Saturday, we'd be going about the physics of the boat going through the water and that was like really important from such a young age to like see that on a whiteboard being drawn out and then go next session be chill and try to do that and that was really cool mm-hmm. now i'm gonna try and do my best albert impression here because um, we have a quote from him oh uh, no yeah go for so it. so as you're about to join the vikes albert described you oh he's one of the most graceful athletes I never worked with. And that he also said, oh, you know, modest, works hard, and dreams big. We're, if you can move past my Albert impression. Oh, wow, that was amazing. Those, First of all, I move. don't want to lose that. That was great. should just keep talking like Albert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will not do that for the rest of this interview. But, it, you know, if you need me to say that again in my normal voice, I can. But are there any of those wise words or quotes from Albert or any of your coaches for that matter? that have stuck with you over the years and maybe helped your performance and development in the sport? Wise words from Albert. <sighs> yeah. Um, I feel like the guy says, is just full of wisdom. Like That's the thing. I can't really choose one. It's hard. It's thing. gotta be hard. I think every conversation you have with them, you like take a bit away and you can't choose. Every time Albert sticks his head in my office and I have to ask him something, he'll always say, oh, that's because I'm a really good listener. And I, I've heard him say, oh, I'm a really good listener. If you're an athlete as a younger age, being a good listener to your coach and remembering what you're told, that might be something helpful. Yeah, he, he has this one very good excuse for when he doesn't do something or 
if he butchers something and it's he says i'm sorry i was hungry <laughs> and he will repeat that in any context and so i sometimes say that but i mean i think that's I, in it like you can get away with that in a lot of situations yeah, but he says it so sincerely and you believe him you will not take that away yeah. <laughs> So I think before we go into it, I think something that isn't uh, too known is that it's actually really hard to balance in a single. Have you ever like rolled over in the boat before like that? Yeah, not too often, but actually, Felbert's going to listen to this. My first practice with him for development, I was running a single, not a lot of people, and there was the UW coach in his launch, in his coach boat, and they were following me, and... He wasn't watching me at the time because I was the new guy. Who knows the new guy? And I hit this huge torpedo buoy. It's just like huge. If you hit it, you're gone. And I flipped in that. And so the UW guy's like, who's this Maggie? Like, and I, I was like so embarrassed. It was my first practice. I didn't know Albert at the time. And this is what he saw. Just this kid in the water. Just yeah. So if I hopped in a single on my first try, do you think I'd be able to balance that thing? And, and try to go as like fast as I could. I mean, you could try. I, I don't know about balance. Depends what you think balanced is. Like, I feel like my, my perception of balance is probably very different than a rower's. Like, I feel like you guys have to be ultra balanced, ultra sound to make sure your yeah. left is the same as your right the entire time. I think you just got to get comfortable. And like my first time in a single, I was not comfortable. I was super rigid. I think that's when you like start panicking, then you'll go in. But if you get in super chill right at the set get-go, I think you're fine. Okay. I'm going to take that for the first time I hop in because I've, I've got a little bet, a little wager with some of the people up in the office that I'll be able to do it. And uh, there's some other voices that are telling me and I'm going to flip it straight away. Sure, you're so. going to do great. I'm going to go cool, calm, collected. That's yeah, what I'm going to approach exactly. it. So right, university rowing comes into the picture for you and, and you choose to stay in Victoria. Uh, what are some of the factors that played into that decision? Into staying into Victoria? Yeah. There was a lot of things that kept me here. I, I had a little bit of a taste of Albert and knowing that he was now someone that I would get to work with at my university degree place. Um, that was really nice to know and just comforting because he already worked with me for two years about before. So he already semi-developed me mm -hmm. and now he, I'd get the whole package. I'd get what I expected a full four years and, the training center was a big impact, so I'd be able to see the national team training and see what they were doing, what I should be doing, and how to make it a lifestyle. Yeah, it seems like that's a really big advantage to staying in Victoria, that um, you're so close to that center. And obviously growing up in Victoria, that probably accelerated your development a little bit too, hey? Absolutely. I would say 100%. Their standard of rowing when I was a young lad was just made me have to take it up a level and kind of force change. So when uh, you entered the program, you're in a completely new environment. Were there any guys on the team that uh, kind of threw you under their wing to show you the ropes? Yeah. So because I knew Albert, he kind of let me row with him sometimes part of the UVic environment as a junior. Mm -hmm. And so I got to know the guys before I actually went to UVic. And that was really awesome because as a freshman, you're kind of scared. And yeah, so people, knew, everyone knew me before I got in, mm -hmm. which is a benefit for a lot of freshmen. A lot of other freshmen didn't get that. And 
some people took me under the wing and some people like pushed me even more because they knew me. And, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to give a shout out to any of those guys that helped you out? Um, yeah. Shout out to Adam Donaldson, Andrew Henriksen. He was a big part in my first year. Uh, Alex Walker and Sam Horn. Yeah. Cool. Those are the big boys. So we actually spoke with Alex last week and uh, he gave me a little bit of insight as to who you are as a teammate. Um, he said your first year at UVic, you jumped in and uh, won the double with him at CURCs, which was huge for him because he had won it the three years leading up to that. Uh, but one of the things he said about you is that you're pretty much an absolute specimen in terms of like your muscular ability and that you had no problem making that transition to university rowing. So do you feel that? Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I I have to say the certainly some things I had to change, but the training aspect, um, not too too much. I'd say waking up very early that was a big change. Yep, five o'clock. Managing the lifestyle of academics was a big shock, and I expected it to be a big shock. I expected it, and I managed. What about diet-wise? Were you having to eat a lot more than you normally would? Not too much. I did realize as time went on, I noticed myself and a lot of other classmates, we weren't as nutritious as we should have been. So I noticed for myself that I wasn't getting enough protein. I found myself always hungry around class, just wanting to eat. And I kept eating and eating, but I never filled up. So I started meal prepping and I would have one huge chicken breast at lunchtime. And that was a big changer. I felt actually recovered and that was big for between classes. I could focus and just having my body to be able to fuel on something, have some density and really helped me. Mm -hmm. Well, it obviously helped you out. You had a lot of success with the Vikes. Uh, you were very good in the under Cox four and single and the double. You're also a senior champion for the Monster Ergen 2016. Which of those major accomplishments with the Vikes stand out in your mind as maybe a favorite? Monster Ergen is a blast, as I hope everyone has seen. Just mm. seeing everyone raw face. That's always a great time. I really do enjoy that event, but I do really, I would say maybe a bit more the CURCs. I really enjoy that regatta because it's so intense because there's athletes all over the country who are of your caliber and it's so intense because it's so many races packed into two days and those two days you're like don't know what's going on and it's a blur mm -hmm. so I really enjoy how I get to see my friends race against them and I love how chaotic it is I try to thrive in that because I just see other people panicking and I just, I'm like, I'm here, I'm chill. And I, I like it. You mentioned the monster. Erg. This was my, this year was my first experience with the monster. Erg. I'm not sure about Liam, but it was, it was incredible to see, you know, like I forget how many, uh, ergs were set up, maybe like 20 people just going at it full tilt for as, you know, as short of a time as they can, a little bit too much puke for me. Oh, uh, were you, were you a guy that pukes after doing a 2K uh, on a nerd? I used to be. Did, did you puke? I did not. I only did, not. did I, I didn't compete in the monster, but I did work on this video that 
unfortunately didn't get finished because of the COVID stuff, but where I raced a couple of current bikes on, uh, on the ERG. And I, that's the hardest I went on ERG. And afterwards, I was just not well. My head yeah. was hurting. My feet felt <laughs> like they were going to explode. And I just needed to take a couple laps around oh, cars yeah. to come back down to ERG. I can speak um, to that. I, yeah. I saw Tyler go at it. And uh, <laughs> you could see the chain. It looked like a ripple the way that oh, he was man. pulling it. He was pulling so hard, but loosey goosey <laughs> form though. I think if he, he refined his form, he would have shaved off a few seconds. Really? Yeah, the technique needed some work, that's for sure. But what's your fastest 2K time? I'm curious. My fastest 2K, and this was with our coach, was 608.3. I actually didn't know I pulled 608. So we used to do the erg tests blind. So you cover up the screen, you don't right. see your number, you only see the meters go down. And at the time, I didn't know my result till the day after. I was doing a study with bicarb, which is basically, to put it as simple as possible, is so much sodium in your body that it buffers lactic acid. Hmm. And I was doing a lab with some nutritionists, and we weren't allowed to be biased. So we had placebo pills and real bicarb pills. And I didn't know I PB'd, but I PB'd by two seconds there. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know till three days later. Two seconds is big in the wrong world too. Like it's hard to go over those yeah. milestones sometimes, hey? Yeah, it was it was big. Yeah. Well, you got me beat by just over a minute, so I think I need to <laughs> You got time. <laughs> yeah. You also mentioned how much you just enjoyed the CUs. What's what do you get more joy out of? Seeing a, a great individual result from yourself or you know, seeing the Vikes as a team across all the disciplines doing really well and maybe taking down a, a favorite school like UBC or Western. I love my individual results because it's a reflection of, of my training. Mm-hmm. I also love to see my team's results and I would love for it to be honest that it was their reflection of their training. So it's an honesty game, I think. And if they get the result, it's a reflection of their training. And sometimes that doesn't happen. And then that's where you need to train change a few things. Mm-hmm. I love seeing you victory well. I love going up against my buddies at UBC. We like have a love-hate relationship and it's just like who gets the better end of the stick. It's so close at that point too. Mm-hmm. So you're um, your partner in the double on, on the Canadian team. He's a UBC grad, isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you guys have a little bit of trash talking going back and forth oh, yeah. about some races? Nice. Mm-hmm. So from the past, there was two brothers from UBC and I'd have to race both of them. And it was always really tough because there was two of them and only one of me, but it was still just great banter to just see what would happen. And at the end of the day, you end up racing with one of them. <laughs> exactly. So there it is. <laughs> so you went to Nova Scotia for one of the CURCs. Where are the other places that you've competed for them? I've been to Welland, lovely Welland. Welland is in Ontario. Okay. It's, right out of toronto by st Catharines, and then i've also been to burnaby i've only done three or four i think you've done three uh, from what i've read i think 2016 yeah. 17 18 that, yeah that adds up yeah. that's it yeah so i've only done three and those are the places okay i got a little bit of a two-part question for you here and the only reason i know this phrase is because albert swears if i ever gone to boat i would do nothing but catch crabs all the time. Can you just explain to the non-rowing listeners what catching a crab is? 
And it, I want you to admit, admit it now, if you've ever caught a crab. I don't think I have been all, maybe, maybe when I was in like grade seven. So maybe like the early, early days, maybe yeah. in 2010, 10 years ago, but mm-hmm. that's so long ago. And mm-hmm. if anyone knows, I would love to hear when <laughs> I have, like, mm-hmm. So what is catching a crab? What does that mean in rowing lingo? Yes. So a crab, you don't want it. You don't need it. It makes it slower. Basically, you are rowing and somehow your fingers either slip because the handles are wet or that's pretty much it. Or your hands are numb because it's cold out and you lose the oar and the oar is still in the water. And the way the blade is designed is that the water takes the blade with it. and so just is a blade that stops the boat on one side and Mm. if you hit it if you're going really fast and you crab and you turn that boat really fast you're either going in the water or flipping the boat so you're probably i would say there's like a 80 percent you're going in if you catch a crab i will probably catch a few uh, when i get in the boat i'm willing to bet (laughs) liam we should do a double yeah let's do it how about that we take on, we'll take on um, Patrick and his partner and we'll just, oh. just, just cause just to see how we do. We can hook you yeah. up, man. We got, we got equipment. I think what like, we should do is you guys have to do 2k and we just have to do 1k and we'll just see what happens. Okay. Yeah. And we'll just see what happens. It's yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about uh, your success internationally. So when did, what year did you start competing internationally as an athlete for Rowan Canada? 2015 you already touched on it a little bit but it's it's got to be great having that facility right here in victoria so can you tell us some of the the ways that that has elevated your performance and your development absolutely it has been very beneficial i would say there's a lot of components here i'd say having the staff the support staff from both rowing canada and pisces i've had a lot of work with the nutritionist making sure my body's healthy and i'm not injured I've had work with uh, physiotherapists as well and psychologists just to make sure everything's in check. And just knowing that you have that support is very big, especially with the stress of school, as well as equipment for individualized training. When I can row, I can go out with equipment from Rowing Canada. And Evic Albert has been very helpful as well. Does your Um, boat have a name? I'm curious. Do, do rowers name their boats? Is that a thing? I, I did. Most people don't, but I was like, oh, what the heck? Like, oh, I'll name it. And, okay, what'd you name it? Um, so there's a bit of a story behind it. I mean, there has to be. And it's called, and if anyone's named Jessica out there, I'm so sorry, but it's called the Jessica 2. <laughs> the Jessica. <laughs> 2. Yeah, the Jessica 2. So Was there Jessica 1? Yeah. So Jessica the 1. I don't know why we came up with Jessica. But me and another teammate were racing in 2017 in Florida. We got this new boat, and I was just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name this boat. And I don't know. And it's got to be a girl. I'm so sorry. And her name's going to be Jessica. And then we both named her sing- singles after that, Jessica 2 and Jessica 3. And the original was the double Jessica 1. So there's a few Jessicas on uh, the rowing there's team. There's three Jessicas, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, a few. That's great. Do you have to maintain your boats as well? Or is that something that the staff does? 
No, it's on the athletes. It's your boat. So sometimes the coaches will be really nice and do a little parting gift as you go to race. They'll clean it for you. Mm-hmm. But most of the time after practice, you will be cleaning your boat down. Well, whatever boat you've been rowing in the world championship since 2018, whatever it's named, it's worked out for you. You got three fourth place finishes at the world cup and ninth place finish at the world championship in the lightweight double. Other than having a different name for the boat, what are some keys to success that you've found that has allowed you to consistently produce at a high level? I, that's a good question. I would say this new coach, Dick Tonks leading the small boats program. He's a big contributor. It's a very, very simple man. And I would say his hard work has developed some trust in the training, just going to the line and knowing that we've done the most kilometers here. They can't beat us, hit us hard. And then we just go real confidently. And I'd say that's a very big part. And I remember, I think it was World Cup one, me and Max, my partner, we're talking and we're like dude could you imagine if we were doing the training program right now like that's messed up i'd much rather be racing right now than doing this training program Mm -hmm. that kind of goes to say that racing was a lot funner and easier than doing that program with dick from all accounts it seems that you're very focused on training and recovery which is great to hear but if you can fill the listeners in on what it's like to have a wild day for pat king are there cheap oh, meals? Do you a wild enjoy? day? Like a let it go today. Like you yeah, have a day off crazy. from rowing. You're going to hang out with the guys. Are you going to have some beers? Are you going to have tacos? What are you doing? Wow. There's so much to do in a day. So <laughs> my go-to is I will go to either Little Caesars, get that $5 pizza. Nice hot and ready. Yeah, yeah, hot and ready. You got it. That's a really good one. And then I will mm-hmm. just go to bed late, have – Sometimes I'll have a few beers. Sometimes I won't. Depends on how tired I am and if I have the energy. I will also go to Quality Foods and order the Chinese Supreme Combo 4. And that is also very filling. It hurts, but it is very well worth it. What do you get in Combo 4? Sweet and sour pork, honey garlic pork, chow mein, and deep fried prawns. And you're having a Little Caesars hot and ready the same day. Yeah, I mean, also... Let's put a pass that sometimes there'll be a period where I have to weigh in and that's even worse, I would say. So when I'm weighing in at 153 pounds for a week or something and I've been dieting for a month and then the minute after the race, it's kind of disgusting, but not really. It's kind of <laughs> real. I feel it's well-deserved if you're uh, yeah. at the yeah. end of the day, if you're crushing these races, like go eat a couple hot and ready's and feel good about yourself. Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. in, in terms of the Olympics, like how does that stack up to the other international competitions? Is that like cream of the crop? I would definitely say that's the end goal. That's the gold one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you have an opportunity to qualify for the last Olympics or is that a little bit too early on in your career? Yeah. So that was a little too early. I was still in high school actually. Okay. That would have been quite early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was still in high school in 2016. I just finished high school. Yeah. So what does yeah, the qualifying yeah. process for the Olympics look like? Is there a cap on the number of athletes per country per event or just walk us through it? Keeping it simple. There's a lot. Well, there are a lot of rules about countries and athletes involved. And right now 
what I know. I kind of want to keep it really simple for myself too. I don't want complications. Mm-hmm. I just know that there is an event, last chance regatta, and you have to come top two in that okay. for the light men. So there will be as many people who didn't qualify racing that event, and the top two will get the chance to go to the Olympics. And it's probably up in the air a little bit, but what are the options for where that last chance regatta may be? Yeah, so with this COVID going on, they are deciding on a potential new location. But if it was where it was going to be, it would be in Lucerne, Switzerland. Have you raced there before? Yes, it's a very pretty venue. How does the Olympics getting pushed back a year affect your training schedule? And is it for the better or for the worse, do you think? For myself, I would argue that I am shifting my focus to view this as a positive, as an advantage. I think a lot of athletes have the opportunity to make this an advantage, but I think people, this could be a disadvantage for them as well. And I think it's a make or break point for certain crews. I think this will be a true determination of if you have done the training or not. This is an honest point in their training to keep going on or cut out. So for me, I'm training still. And we we try to keep the group together, even though we're distance. And we will do races every Wednesday and Saturday. And we will give them to our coach and he'll display how everyone did. And we get to see how everyone did. And it's kind of like a no hide zone. And everyone sees what you do. So it's an honest workplace again. So when you say you do races, are you pulling 2Ks on an erg and then sending that time in? Yeah, essentially. So Wednesday we'll do a 5K and then Saturday we'll do a 5K, one minute rest, 2K, one minute rest, 1K, one minute rest, 500. My goodness. That sounds disgusting. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of dumb. I I'm like sure it gets you in great shape, but I'm, I would just not a do that. <laughs> so how do you stay connected with your teammates during COVID besides doing the team stuff like that? Do you guys do Zoom calls or chat with each other online or what? Uh, not too much. We kind of just enjoy what we have right now. I'd say every two to three weeks, I might Zoom call my partner and my coach. So we have kind of two coaches right now. We have Dick, who's on his farm in New Zealand, who's very isolated right now. And then we have Jeremy, who's in Victoria downtown right now. And I'll talk to Jeremy a lot more. And other people in the environment, I might talk to one other, three other guys. It's six people, so it's already really small. Mm Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do to kind of end this off, uh, we've put together a few questions that we like to call the Thunder Round. So uh, they're going to be quick and easy questions for you to answer. And uh, I just want to hear what comes off the top of your head when you when we ask you these. So you can't, can't think, think too hard. I'll give okay. you a couple seconds to think. Okay. But most of them you'll probably already just know and you'll just have to dig in. Okay. okay. I'm ready. First question. What is your go-to pre-race meal? <sighs> Uh, bread, white bread. White bread, anything on it? Butter. Toasted? Butter. No. This is not, that's not an exciting. No, I I have a diet to follow. I got to weigh in soon, right? Okay, what is your pre-race pump-up song? Or is there like a type of genre that you listen to? Like maybe not just one artist, but like a type of, just a type of music. Chill indie, just like smoothing it out. Just like in the moment. 
I did read somewhere that you liked the song, You've Got a Friend in Me from Toy Story. Is that correct? Yeah. So I used to play a lot of Disney in my workout songs just to like really whack people and be like, get them out of the moment and be like, whoa, oh, I'm Oregon. Hello. And uh, that was it. It was just basically to wake them up from Oregon for so long. Even on their toes. Yeah. Okay. So I where I think you touched on this a little bit already, but where's your favorite place to row? Oh, Strathcona was really nice. That's where the Evic Fikes go as well. That was yep. a really pretty place. I'd also say Lucerne, Switzerland. So if you could go anywhere in the world and row, where would it be? No, Me, I would go to the Nile. I'd go row on the Nile. I think that'd be the oh, coolest no. story. I, that would be a really cool story. I don't know what it's like rowing on the Nile. I don't know, but I, I know Bled, Slovenia. That's where another race course is. And like, that's also really pretty. There's an island in the middle with a church. I've been a few times and I'd like to race there someday, but it might not happen, but we'll see. Okay, what is the best part about rowing? Uh, working hard. Okay, what's the hardest part about rowing? Working hard. <laughs> not those 5 a.m. wake-ups? Yeah, I, uh, blah, those are bad, too. Yeah, you probably get used to those after a while. Yeah, the first little while. Not fun, not fun. Who is your biggest fan? My mom. mom. You come from a, a family that all rows, hey? Yeah, they, they all followed suit, I think. Uh, Liam rose at Dartmouth, U.S., and Michael is going to Columbia in U.S. So with a couple of brother, brothers that are both rowers, uh, I guess with being a fan, you also get a couple of critics in the family. Do you guys rip on each other a little bit? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All the time. So we try to compare times when we're, I don't know, me and Liam will be like, oh, I got a faster 2K. And then I'm like, you're also like 20 40 pounds heavier than me and i'm like oh it's just like all like back and forth back and forth yeah sibling stuff that's great yeah great stuff yeah, we keep it tight okay a couple more questions what's your go-to post-race meal chinese food quality foods combo four combo four on ready okay last one what is the best way to celebrate with your teammates yeah probably have a few beers with them maybe are you guys a jump in the water kind of teammate kind of thing or is that a Thing that still ah, happens in the run community? No, no, it happens. I don't think I've jumped in the water for a while. That's but a thing. I, yeah, I think that's a thing. That's a real thing. Well, we hope you get the opportunity to do that uh, yeah. sometime soon. I just don't like getting wet. Like, it's pretty cold after. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I'm a small dude. I, I get cold fast. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not my problem. <laughs> it is my problem. Well, perfect. Thanks a lot, Patrick. It's been great having you on the show today. Let the people know where they can follow you online and check in with your progress as you make your way down to the Olympics in 2021. Yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram. That's pretty much the only place I'm on. That's when I was signing up, I spelt my name wrong. So it's Patrick Kane without the T. So it's Patrick Kane. <laughs> so that's where I am. <laughs> I have been curious this whole time. Do you ever, do people ever call you Patrick Kane? Uh, like the yeah. hockey player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty common. Yeah, yeah it's become less so. and less, but yeah, it does. It's common. Tyler's been fighting the urge this entire but You time. can call me Patrick Kane if you want. It's up to you, man. Like, I'm fine. Three, three times Stanley Cup champion. Not a bad guy to get mixed up no, with. No, I'm fine. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Patrick. We Perfect. appreciate your time, man. And we wish you all the best. Yeah. Good luck on the road to the Olympics and uh, keep on pulling those 2Ks and let's hope you don't <laughs> throw up in any buckets anytime soon. Uh, see yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. See ya.
Okay, so we just finished up our interview with Patrick Keane, not to be confused with Patrick Kane. Isn't that right, Tyler? Yeah, I mean, first of all, they both look like they're identical twins, come from the same family, but one's a hockey player and one's a rower. Yeah, uh, I think our Patrick Kane, oh wow, this is hard, our Patrick Keane, uh, yeah. something that I really admired is the man's love for Chinese takeout combos. Oh, yeah. I love that. He was so adamant and knew straight away what his, his post-race meal is. But he didn't have the chicken fried rice or shrimp fried rice in his top three or four. Like, what was up with that? It was combo number four. You get all of it. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. so there's always rice included? I've just never ordered that. Is that what I, I haven't either. Uh, by the way it sounded, it sounds like you got everything in that combo. Another big takeaway that we had from that uh, podcast is we finally learned the correct way to say Coach Albert's last name which is, go ahead, Tyler. Albert Van Schothorst. Van Schothorst, yes. That, I said it right? I think you did. Mm-hmm. I think you get a gold star. Well, another thing we talked about is we kind of joked about, you know, either you or I hopping into a single or the both of us doing a double one, one of these days. I'm sure a couple of the people have seen these videos I made earlier in, in the year called training with the Vikes. I did one with different sports. I did one for basketball, swimming. We had one for soccer ready to go that we were going to launch before the keg cup, but that got canceled. So the video is still on the hard drive. And then I was, I'm halfway done doing the rowing one. I just was hanging out with the men's and women's team during indoors, going to practices and whatnot. But I'm thinking you might have to come out with me on the boat when we hit up to Elk Lake back in the yeah, when school gets going, but mm-hmm. that so much technique goes into, you know, making a, a good time on the water and in, and in the erg, and my technique is terrible, but I think I would be able to pull a faster 2K than you. Oh, I see. It's a challenge. Okay, this is yeah. where this long intro went into. You just wanted to preface how you think you can beat me on a 2K. My time's out there. Mine's, uh, you know, I've laid it down. I've done the 2K. You were there, you watched, you didn't hop on an erg, but uh, I'm just saying, it's time for you to get on one of those things. What was your time? The first time I did it, it was like 7.49, and then okay. the second time, which is like pathetic, the second time I did it, I think I'm down to like a 7.14 or 7.19, somewhere in there. I can, I have some graphics that I had made up for the video that I'm going to have to go back in, into and check out but it was 100% below 7.30, and I think it was by quite a bit, too. So Okay, so you're saying if I can get my hands on a fully sanitized erg uh, that I have to post better than 7.30? Well, if, they're, you know what? They're really not that hard to sanitize. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I, another thing, though, when we take these boats out on the water, the biggest thing I'm worried about isn't us falling in, but I'm worried about us, about us being in rhythm and actually going in a straight line because I can definitely that's- see us just veering off and hitting the other boat next to us. That is 100% going to be an issue. I'm not so much worried about tipping. I know you and I have both had, had chats with Albert, and he's laughed in our faces about the fact that we think we will stay balanced in the boat. I do sit-ups. I got a core. I'm not too worried about that. But I, you're 100% right. We are not going to go in the same direction. No, it's going to be like wobbling back and forth, left to right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, if you like what you heard from us uh, and you want to keep listening, don't forget to subscribe. Give us one of those good ratings so we can uh, 
be a lot better than the Joe Rogan podcast one day. We'll see how that goes. Maybe sign a hundred million dollar deal somewhere. Take and then, uh, yeah, I would take it too. And uh, we've got some great guests coming up. So don't forget to let us know who you'd like to hear on Give and Go Bites. Thanks for listening to the Give and Go Vikes podcast, supported by the UVic Alumni Association.